If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 209 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on February 11th, 2024. Well, kind of February 11th. February 11th for you, the day of the Super Bowl. That's right, we've had a few Super Bowl episodes here on Yapping Yankees, inevitably, because Yapping Yankees comes out on Sundays and the Super Bowl is on Sunday. Duh. So we've had a few of these, but it is the 11th for you, not for me. For me, it's actually Saturday night. I'm recording this on Saturday night because of the Super Bowl, speaking of it, because let's be honest, releasing it at the time that I usually always do on Sunday night would be a colossally stupid move. That's why I never do it. If you release something at the same time the Super Bowl is on, you will get precisely zero viewers slash listeners on anything you release. It is just not a very smart thing to do. (laughs) So content-wise, it is just a suicidal upload. I'll coin that term right here. But yeah, it would just be a really stupid thing to release during the Super Bowl. Really stupid thing to do. So what I'm doing is I'm recording Saturday night here because at the beginning of the day tomorrow... I'm going to have no time to record if I do want to get it out well before the Super Bowl, and I'd like to do so. It's going to be out sometime in the late morning slash early afternoon. Well, I'll say today for you because it'll be the 11th when it's released to you, but it's the 10th when I'm recording right now, late Saturday night. So, not recording on the day that you're listening, but it'll be out on the 11th for you to enjoy as per usual, just way earlier in the day as usual. So you get your nice dose of yapping Yankees earlier on a Sunday than usual and then go on to enjoy the Super Bowl at night or just obviously listen to yapping Yankees whenever you want throughout the week. It's not like it's going anywhere. Another special thing about this episode, aside from everything else going on, there's a lot of good things happening right now, is that I'm also recording this, not only on Saturday night, but also on my new computer that I told you about last week. All right, thanks for the applause. (laughs) Yep, my new computer. The new computer is hooked up. I told you about it a couple of weeks ago on the last episode at the end of January that it was coming last weekend, well, a weekend ahead from when we last spoke, but last weekend it was officially hooked up. Beautiful gaming PC. I'm not going to be using it for gaming. It's going to be mainly for yapping Yankees and just for regular use. And if I ever decide to start streaming someday, if I would maybe start to do some lives like I used to, then I'll definitely do it here on this computer. But it's just nice to have a computer that actually runs like a computer is supposed to. This thing is lightning speed fast. I'm hoping the sound quality on it is good. It's good from what I tested so far, but now we're testing it with a long form piece of media podcast an hour plus long so we're gonna see how it does I think it's fine so far the thing is amazing it runs beyond what I could have ever imagined the monitor (laughs) you want to mention the Super Bowl and football this monitor is about as big as a freaking football field this thing is 34 inches long (laughs) 
My desk is like 43 inches. It covers almost the entire span of my desk that it sits on. <laughs> it's crazy. But I love it. I love it so far. I use it 10 times more than I did my Mac that I had before this terrible product. It apparently just couldn't handle what I was looking to do with podcasting and just regular use, which when my mom and my girlfriend got it for me for a Christmas present years ago, they told the people they were buying it from that that was what it was going to be used for, and they gave them a computer that could not handle it. So it's nice to finally say goodbye to that piece of crap. Now I have this computer, and it is just, to say it's a breath of fresh air, my God, understatement of the millennium, I gotta tell you. So this computer is awesome. I'm so happy to be recording on it. The quality seems to be good. It runs as as amazing as you can imagine. The best kind of computer running. I'm just so hyped about it. So hyped. And I had a couple of people out there saying, Well, Mike, if you're not going to be gaming, then why are you getting a gaming PC? Well, gaming PCs are basically just like the best kind of running computers right now, at least if you ask me. And hey, the proof of how mine is running, I mean, it just shows it to be true. But... It's just the best kind of computer out there, and when you deal for years with such a crap product, you just end up craving, like, the best. You want a vast improvement over it, and it seems I have struck gold with this one. It's so cool just watching, like, the, the levels bouncing and all the levels appearing while I'm talking right now on this computer on this huge-ass monitor. <laughs> it's so funny. My God. Basically, if I would have gotten a dual monitor... It's basically how wide the two of them would have been together, more or less, just put into one. It's wild. <laughs> like, you gotta see it. For those who know me in real life, haven't even been over my house, if you're listening right now and you haven't seen it yet, just wait till you come over and see this thing. It is incredible. <laughs> I love it. I am in love with this thing. So that's another big positive. Recording from my new computer today. This is the way it's going to be from now on, and it has definitely done even more to improve my mood. On top of just getting better and better every week from when I had the flu a month ago. Just getting, just improving every week. My cough is still hanging around though. <laughs> I got sick over a month ago and the cough is still hanging around. February 11th, I wasn't kidding you when I said this thing is probably not leaving me until at least after St. Patrick's Day. I was not freaking joking. So that's still hanging around. Another big plus is that Yapping Yankees on YouTube, the channel, as of this past week, just passed 400 subscribers. Now, for a lot of other bigger-time people on YouTube, this might seem like it wasn't an accomplishment at all, but hey, you know what? Even the big ones started from zero at one point or another, and once upon a time, I mean, unless they were just one of the ones who just went from zero and just spiked to like hundreds of thousands of subscribers nearly overnight, then fine, whatever, you're not a part of this category. But the vast majority of people, even the bigger ones, were making videos at one point or another, thanking people for something as minor as 100 subscribers, because you know what? It's important, as I always say, to stay humble, stay grounded, and continue to thank people the more milestones you experience as you continue to go along. Because the fact of the matter is, there are no words in the English language to represent how thankful I am and to properly convey how thankful I am for your everyday support out there, whether you're listening for a second today, if this is your first episode listening, or if you've been on since the very beginning, or if you've just hopped along somewhere along the way, in the middle, quarter of the way through, three quarters of the way through, near now or now, it doesn't matter. 
I so appreciate you being here, and especially if you're one of the people who dropped a subscribe on the YouTube channel. Hoping for 500 next, but 400 is an awesome accomplishment. Love, love, love going over this every hundred or so. Big milestones coming up, and I'm excited for the Yapping Yankees YouTube channel. So 400 subscribers on YouTube. I cannot be thankful enough for that. Just keep on subscribing. Love you guys so much for your support. Every day, I cannot tell you. Just keep on subscribing and keep on doing the same on all the other platforms too, guys. Yapping Yankees is on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. So just show your love across all four of them. Like I always say at the end of every episode, like you guys always do such a great job at doing, just keep on going, spread the word, do your thing, and just keep getting word out about Yapping Yankees, guys. Thank you so, so much for 400 subscribers on YouTube. Keep on subscribing. And last, (laughs) but certainly not of the least, by a long shot, (laughs) pitchers and catchers, the time has come. Yes, because I am one of those people on social media to get on people's nerves who love football and are very depressed after the Super Bowl is over, that football has departed from their lives until the middle of the summer. Yes, I am one of those harps, one of those annoying-ass people to take to Twitter or X these days right away. Go to the little icon that allows me to send a tweet out to the world and type in, Baseball, the stage is yours. I am one day away from doing that. I could not be happier. And when that does happen, that usually symbolizes, especially now with the Super Bowl having moved up an extra week after there was an extra game and an extra week added to the regular season just a couple of years ago, it's even closer now. Because when the Super Bowl is over, usually there's a little bit of a grace period, a week or two as of the past, where you'd have to wait till pitchers and catchers report. But now, with everything moved up about a week or so with football, it's even closer to pitchers and catchers, just days away now. So I'll be even more insufferable on the timeline when the Super Bowl is over, much to the dislike of all football fans out there. That is fine. I have taken plenty of flack on social media before. I am used to it. It's all good. Because the hype is starting to irrationally build up as it does every single year around this time for many of us. I know there are a few others out there who are the same way as me on social media with this. I know the vast majority of people probably think I'm an ass for it because factually and statistically I wouldn't even dream of arguing this. Football is a lot more popular than baseball despite baseball being America's pastime. But there's just one little problem with that. And that little problem is the fact that I could not care less what those people think. I like football too, but baseball is always my number one and will always have my heart unconditionally. So you best believe that I will be one of those first ones on the front lines on social media right after football is over. I'll have the tweet sitting there ready to hit send on right when the clock hits zero. (laughs) Yes, I am that insufferable ready to announce to the world that Yankees pitchers and catchers will be reporting. Some sites say the 14th, some sites say the 15th, more seem to be saying the 15th, and people are saying that the first pitchers and catchers workouts on the 15th, some articles are saying different things, but the point is, (laughs) the point is that they are reporting this coming week, and it is mere days away, guys. 
Yep, I'd, I'd say that's worthy of another applause. It's two applauses already, and we're only just a little bit over 10 minutes into the episode. Because, <laughs> listen, today is filled with a lot of positives. And because of that, and because of where the Yankees roster currently sits, well, there's only really one question to ask ourselves this week. Are we ready? Are we ready for baseball to finally return? and experience the first date as we do every single year that symbolizes its return in the Yankees pitchers and catchers and everyone's pitchers and catchers reporting to camp and getting ready for the season. Are we ready for the hype, the excitement, the buildup? Like every year. Sound like I'm cutting a WWE promo right now. And are we ready, as far as the Yankees, to actually have the bounce-back season in 2024 that everybody has started to predict, which always makes me nervous because those predictions are usually full of crap and almost never come true because these same people that are predicting this for the Yankees to win the division, for the Yankees to win the pennant, for all this, usually it does not happen at all, as we know. (laughs) The Yankees were supposed to be significantly better in 2023 than they actually finished off. And yes, certain things happen throughout a season, That will derail certain things. It's unpredictable completely, especially when you factor in how long the Major League Baseball season is. But there is one thing for certain, in my opinion, and I've said this, even if some concerns still lie around, which we will talk about as we have talked about for countless weeks now and countless episodes throughout the entire offseason. The 2024 Yankees, this is beyond the shadow of a doubt, are better on paper, especially offensively, than the 2023 Yankees were. On paper, that's the part you have to highlight. Because again, a lot can happen during the regular season. Lots of injuries could happen that just derail the entire thing and the train completely falls off the tracks and everybody's dead. So, gotta be careful when you say they are better than last year's team. You don't want to tempt fate. On paper, they have improved. But some concerns still lie. We are going to continue to talk about that as the episode goes on, and especially later on in the social media segment, where we basically get everybody's final assessment. More moves could still be made, but as of right now, pitchers and catchers are days away from reporting. We're talking three, four days here. So the time has come. It's here. So everyone's final assessment before that happens of how they feel about the Yankees right now with this current roster heading into 2024 spring training and heading into the 2024 regular season, especially if no big moves end up being made in spring training or throughout spring training. It's very possible that some are, because as we've spoken about, even though some have come off the market in the last two weeks since we last spoke, there are still some big names left out there. Still are. It's pretty crazy. Guys like Cody Bellinger. Guys like Blake Snell, J.D. Martinez is still out there. Rumors of him being involved with the Mets a little bit before some other reports came out the other day that they're not even close with him. Jordan Montgomery still does not have a job. Matt Chapman still does not have a job. There are a number of people out there who, it's really surprising, whether it be because if they're a Scott Boris client, then, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, but... Whether or not they're Scott Boras clients, they don't have a job right now. Spring training is just around the corner. Pitchers and catchers are days away from reporting. And there are a couple of guys out there who are pitchers that don't have a job right now. Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery being two of them. And like I said, some players have continued to come off the market. Reese Hoskins signed recently. 
with the Brewers. Josh Hader went to the Astros. Justin Turner's going to the Blue Jays. Like, And I think Carlos Santana agreed to a deal with the Twins. I think uh, the Brewers got Gary Sanchez too recently. He was out there. Clayton Kershaw re-signed with the Dodgers. So moves have started to happen, as I said. Some people have come off the market, but there are still those big names out there who are just bafflingly not signed right now and really don't seem to have even too much of a market from what we're being told. Really weird. So just waiting to see what happens with that, but with so many guys still out there without a job, I mean, like I said before, it's entirely possible that something else could happen as spring training goes along even. But with the Yankees, they're are some questions you got to ask because obviously I have my preferences. I still, as we know, my main concern lies with the starting rotation, especially with some even more additional moves of late with the bullpen. That I'd be feeling a little bit better about that, even though they could still do a bit better with certain other names, but still not bad pickups necessarily, not at all, especially when it comes to some of the deals the Yankees were able to pull off, which we'll talk about in news along with plenty of other things in just a minute. But... The starting rotation is really where it still lies, and you got guys like Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery still out there. So something could still happen, but with the Yankees, you know, everyone's talking about the the tax threshold and all that, which we have spoken about at length, especially on the last episode a couple of weeks ago, after some people thought they were going to take the social media and school me on it, um, when I wasn't too happy about the Hector Neris situation. But regardless, with that whole thing still playing out, you got a question whether or not the Yankees would be willing to sign any free agents still if they're talking about just being constantly taxed on every dollar they spend, well, that would make you not feel very good about their chances to indulge in any other free agent signings, which leads you to the trade market, depending on what people ask for, which is also another very frustrating topic when it comes to something else in particular that happened of late when a big starting pitcher was traded to a division rival. Pretty sure you all know who I am speaking of already, but we'll get to that in a bit when it comes to the Yankees and something I've said in regards to them with trades for a long time now. Long, long time. And some people don't really see the big deal and they would have done the trade anyway, and that's fine. That's up to preference, whatever. None of us are the GM. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. But still, supports my point of other teams seeming to make it harder for the Yankees than anybody else. And I know the Yankees aren't largely liked throughout the community or maybe even amongst other owners and GMs and whatnot, but um, it's just a tendency that seems to happen and continues to be proven with almost everyone the Yankees check in on when it comes to what somebody else got for that person as opposed to what the Yankees would have had to give up. I've been saying it for years, and it seems like it played out yet again in this specific scenario, which we'll get to later on. But my point is, anything could happen as spring training continues to go on even. This doesn't necessarily 100% mean that this Yankee roster right now is the final product heading into the season. And then, of course, you have the trade deadline. Depending on where the team is by then, they can make some improvements at the deadline by then. Even though the last, (laughs) at least couple or a few deadlines for Cashman is definitely nothing to speak of. Definitely the last two, at least. Nothing to speak of, really. But regardless... This definitely, there's a solid chance for every team at the start of each season, especially the contending ones, that this team right now going into the regular season is not the final product, especially when you factor in the trade deadline too. So you got to factor that in too. But right now, as of now, we're going to talk about later how you feel about this current Yankee roster heading into spring training 
and likely into the regular season, if you ask me at this point. I think they're probably done. But I could be wrong. We'll see. But just basically how everyone's feeling. So that's really going to be the social media segment later on, so we'll get more into our feelings on the roster that a lot of us have gone in-depth on, especially me on this show, for weeks on end now. So that's the deal with that. But first up, we got some news to talk about, so we'll get to that in just a second. But one last good thing at least for you, but also for me, because I love doing these episodes. But especially for you, when it comes to if you're a Yapping Yankees diehard, and I know there are a lot of you out there every week who faithfully listen to the entire episode every week, which I could not give you enough credit for, sitting there for an hour to an hour and a half listening to my crazy ass every week, every episode for that long, listening to me just ramble on to myself into this microphone for an hour plus. I don't know how you do it. I can't listen to myself for that long. I think I'm insufferable. But you seem to do it every week. So for those of you who do do that, not only do I love you with every fiber of my being, but it will also do you good to be reminded that this current bi-weekly format for the offseason is very soon coming to an end. Usually, I always break it and go back to weekly format once spring training games officially begin. And for the Yankees... Well, as those of you who are diehard fans out there like myself likely know, the first Yankee spring training game is in less than two weeks from today. Less than two weeks from yesterday, as a matter of fact. Well, at the time I'm recording, it's exactly two weeks from. But the first spring training game is Saturday, February 24th. So that's two weekends from now. So the next time we talk, games will have officially begun. So you know what that means, right? What will also begin is the reinstated weekly format of Yapping Yankees. (laughs) Yeah, another applause. Why not? (laughs) That's three now. (laughs) God, I'm an idiot. Well, that's the big news for that as well. So the Yapping Yankees weekly format is returning very soon. As a matter of fact, this current or next two-week hiatus in the bi-weekly format, is the last one. Because once games are officially started up two weekends from now, we're back to weekly, baby. That's it. So get hyped for that. Yappy Yankees back every week very soon. Obviously with the exceptions of Sunday holidays or anytime something big comes up. Or, obviously, you guys also know right now, I think I've mentioned it briefly here on this show, but I'm currently also studying for my first financial exam right now. So, I do dedicate a lot of time to that as well. So, if in my studies I need to dedicate some more time to that, then I'll, of course, let you know and give you notice either on here or on social media or both. I try to give you guys as much advanced notice about things as possible when it comes to yapping Yankees. But otherwise, guys, other than that stuff... Back here every week, as per usual, from the start of spring training games all the way through to the offseason. So that's the deal. Two weekends from now, reinstates Yapping Yankees every weekend, which makes it even more enjoyable doing it on this brand new, beautiful computer that I have sitting right in front of me. 34-inch monitor just staring me down. And I'm giving it those eyes right back. No doubt about it. Just can't say enough about it, honestly, with the huge monitor, the keyboard that lights up all different colors along with the mouse. Oh, my goodness, it's beautiful. <laughs> anyway, we got ourselves a beautiful weekend here, honestly. Just so much, so many good things. So hyped. That's why you hear me with the improved mood even more so this week than usual because just a lot of good things happening. We like it. We like equipment upgrades. 
We like returning to weekly format. We like baseball being right around the corner. We like 400-plus subscribers on YouTube. We like pitchers and catchers reporting. We like all this stuff. We love it, right? Or at least I do. I don't know about you. But anyway, let's move on to Yankees news. Let's talk about what's happened the last couple of weeks in the Yankees community and a little bit around the league as well. Anything that is definitely worth talking about other than what I mentioned before with a lot of the players coming off the market, but still some bigger names being out there. Well, with the Yankees, it all started again a couple of weeks ago, right away on Monday the 29th, the day after we last spoke on the 28th. More waiver claims and DFAing. We were talking about how that was happening a lot in the last episode. Well, it continued the very next day. Picking up right where they left off, and they claimed left-handed pitcher Matt Gage off waivers from the Astros, and DFA'd infielder and outfielder Diego Castillo, who they had claimed from the Mets just a few weeks prior. So, another instance where they pick up another person off waivers, and they DFA somebody else they had just picked up off waivers just a little bit ago. (laughs) So, I mean, like all others with this, DFAing doesn't automatically mean they're gone from the organization, of course, because if nobody else picks someone up after DFAing, then they could just be outrighted right back to the minors. It's just that they will no longer be on the 40-man roster for said team. So, But Matt Gage, a Yankee, but obviously, as you'll hear in a few minutes, this is very short-lived. On Wednesday the 31st, another announcement hit the baseball community that the Yankees had officially lost out on. And I thought he was going to be back here, so I was surprised to hear this. But the Yankees had lost out on Wandy Peralta. There was a lot of word that the Yankees are going to be looking to get him back for the bullpen, obviously. They know him very well. He's very familiar with it here. Pitched very well here, especially considering his numbers in San Francisco. He definitely pitched better here. He seemed to like it here very much. Everybody got along with him very well. Solid lefty out of the pen. Everyone thought he was going to be back, including myself. I thought it was going to be... I thought it was going to be Wandy coming back for the bullpen. I really did. But it turns out they lost him to San Diego because they had signed him to a four-year, $16.5 million contract. So, I'm sad about Wandy. He, he did pretty good out of the bullpen. I think it would have been nice to have him, especially because before their most recent pickup in the bullpen, which we'll get to shortly, the Yankees were uh, looking for some lefties because the only one in the bullpen really prior to this was Victor Gonzalez. So, they could have used a bigger left-handed pitcher, and I thought it was going to be Wandy, but I guess not. I guess I can understand not wanting to go the four years because if he was looking to um, get a contract that was multiple years like this, around a half a decade long for a relief pitcher, I understand on average it's only a little bit more than $4 million a year, but I, I guess I can understand not wanting to commit too many years to a reliever. The Yankees have been bitten in the ass by that plenty of times. So, and I certainly can't blame Wandy for wanting to go for the years. That's what players really look for, the guarantee in length of the contract. Yeah, the money is definitely a humongous object as well, and in some cases, the object that means more. But a lot of these players really want security. So, if the Yankees were offering them only like a year or two, even if it was for more money per, you know, I guess I can't blame them. I see why I'd go for the four. Maybe not if it was that much of a difference in money per year, but still, if it was around the same in in the salary per year and the Padres offered him more years. I get it. (laughs) I can't blame him. But it's just the continuation of the dwindling of options for pitching all around. So it's... I was bummed out to lose out on him. Definitely not going to lose sleep over it. But it was just sad. 
Also, another thing that was announced for the Yankees, off the field-wise, but it is still relevant to the Yankees, on Friday the 2nd, so just a couple of days after that Wandy news, it was announced that the Yankees actually hired Joe Girardi as a Yes Network analyst in 2024. How about that? Former Yankee manager, actually the one prior to the very one right now, is now going to be back with the Yankees at some capacity, being an analyst with the Yes Network, which is really, really cool. I obviously had my issues with Girardi, as a lot of people, I guess I should say, seem to have forgotten now, because there are a lot of people out there who, when Girardi was manager, they wanted, and I want to remind everybody about this, because a lot of people seem to forget history very easily. I was on Twitter once upon a time, when Joe Girardi was the manager still, (laughs) and let me tell you, most of the fan base, if I had to say, wanted to see this man's head on a stake. And these people are now acting as if he is one of the greatest comings of Yankee managers and would do anything to get him back. Now, before I go on, I do want to say that I understand that some people cannot stand Boone so much to the point where it seemed like Girardi was actually a good manager in their eyes, even if they didn't like him while he was manager. I get that, and I understand the comparison. I'm not a big Boone fan myself. However... Let us please stop acting like this guy was loved as a manager or preferred over many others because I remember when he was the manager and I can tell you firsthand, witnessing the Yankee fan base, and I was critical of Girardi plenty too, that was not the case. (laughs) I just need to refresh people's memory on that. So I'm like very surprised at some of the nostalgia for Girardi, I guess when he was hated on just about as much as anybody I have seen as far as Yankee managers or, I mean, just anyone throughout those years. I mean, they wanted his head on a stake. And now people are, like, acting like, oh, my God, it'd be be amazing to have him back as a manager. He was great. Like, guys, stop the cap, all right? (laughs) Like, I remember when the vast majority of the fan base could not stand this guy. Let's not lie anymore. You want to compare to Boone, then fine. Whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. Like I said, I get that. But let's stop acting like many of you out there loved this guy when he was a manager. I'm sure some of you might have. That's fine. But the vast majority of people did not. I will not hear of anything else because I saw it firsthand. <laughs> I'm not stupid. But it is cool to be able to celebrate that he's back with the Yankees at some capacity. I know that some people out there are joking around lately a lot about like, oh my god, what if he like criticizes Boone being the former manager and now he's criticizing the current manager, he's going to get his ass canned right away. <laughs> uh, so it should be an interesting dynamic. But um, listen, Girardi does have a lot of off-field knowledge and on-field knowledge as well. He's a player obviously too, but... I don't know, it's interesting. I've seen him as an analyst on MLB Network many times before and... He's very good on TV, and I just, I I like what he says on TV. And I think he has that personal connection to the Yankees as well, where he can connect with a lot of people through the TV screen, and I just think it's a good decision to bring him in. I think it's a really good choice to bring him in with this, uh, with the Yes Network crew, who I happen to like very much. I like Bob Lorenz, I like Jack Curry, I like Meredith, I like Flash a lot, I love Ryan Rucco, whether he be in the booth or at the analyst table with the rest of the guys. But uh, I, I love the whole crew there. Obviously, in their own roles, like, for example, everyone knows that I do not like Flash as a commentator at all. But I love him as an analyst. 
So I think they, I think their strengths lie in certain areas, and some of them might have weaknesses in others. But on the whole, I love the entire Yes Network crew. So having having Joe Girardi there as well, I think, is an awesome addition. And obviously, not to forget anyone else who's in the booth regularly: Michael K, David Cohn. I still miss my boy Ken Singleton so much, man. I hope I hope he's having the best retirement, but still, I miss him so much. Uh, he was he was so awesome in the booth, especially for those late West Coast games. Remember, just hearing, and this one is gone. I I, I miss all that. My God, I'm gonna get nostalgic about the Yes Network now. Those late night West Coast games with Ken Singleton, so awesome. Ugh. I miss it. I miss it. But at least the rest of the Yes Network crew is still beyond awesome, so that's good. Not everybody has a a crew like the Yankees do. The broadcasting crew. I'll give them that. I will definitely give them that. Other broadcasting crews are really good too, but Yankees ones, they, they are solid. Solid, solid, solid. Alright, let's keep on moving along. Monday the 5th, a little bit less than a week ago. The Yankees, this was the acquisition I was talking about when it came to adding to the bullpen again, and a lefty at that. But the Yankees had made another deal, another deal with the Dodgers. Yet another. Yankees have traded with them for a few times this offseason. Especially when after they got Shohei Otani and even Yamamoto and they needed to clear some roster space off with for Joe Kelly, I think it was too, along with Shohei at the time. So the Yankees just doing a lot of dealings with them. This one I happen to like very much. I didn't really have a problem with either of the trades, honestly, but this one, pretty solid. I saw some people coming down on it. I, I don't get it. I don't understand why because I thought it was really solid, but... The Yankees actually made a deal to acquire left-handed reliever Caleb Ferguson. And in turn, the Yankees sent over, remember when I talked about his uh, stint here is going to be very short-lived, Matt Gage, who they had, as I just said at the start of the news, acquired just a week prior from Houston off waivers. (laughs) And also they had sent over minor league right-handed prospect Christian Zazueta Jr. How about that name, huh? So those two are going to Los Angeles. So hear me out. (laughs) Regardless of whether or not you want to look at Ferguson's numbers, which we'll get to in a second. But they made this acquisition for Ferguson more or less for free. (laughs) Because they sent over someone who was just claimed off waivers a week ago and a prospect. One who didn't have much weight to him in the first place. So honestly, just for that fact alone, which is what I was talking about before with not having a problem with this trade at all, especially because of the nice maneuver they did. This is a nice one by Cashman here on paper, at least, I must say. That's really nice, especially considering if you want to look at Ferguson's numbers, which are not bad at all. And again, I saw some people really coming down hard on this. Some people, listen, I get criticizing the front office with certain things that they do or don't do. I understand. I've done that many times myself. If you are a follower or a listener of mine, you know that for a fact. But this one, I don't understand how you could come down hard on this one. The only negative I've really heard from Dodger Nation here, from the Dodgers fans and their fan base, is that this guy can really tend to not really come through in the clutch at times. Which, yeah, I mean, if the situation ever comes across with that, then I would hope that that does not rear its ugly head. I don't know 100% how true that is because I have not watched too much of Ferguson, admittedly, so I've watched some highlights. But, of course, highlights tend to show the best of somebody and big moments and whatnot. But... If there are any Dodgers fans out there who listen to Yapping Yankees, by all means, if you want to expand my knowledge on Ferguson, hit me up on social media or leave a comment 
underneath the video on one of the four platforms. Whatever you can do to get in touch with me, please do so. But, I mean, otherwise, 27 years old, left-handed pitcher, which is what the Yankees needed to add to the bullpen. They were looking for another lefty for sure, which is, again, why I expected Wandy to come back, but he didn't. Ended up going to San Diego. But he had a 3.43 ERA last year, did Ferguson, so under 3.5. Not bad at all. It's not great, but it's not bad. Definitely not. With 70 strikeouts and a 144 whip in 60 and a third innings. I mean, that's, that's, am I missing something? It's not bad at all. He made seven starts amongst his 68 appearances, all as a one-inning opener. So he has opening experience as well. We all know the Yankees' rotation is a bit of a concern. So for some reason later down the line, depending on circumstances, if you're the Yankees and you're in need of someone to open up a game, maybe even pitch a couple innings, Ferguson can do that too, along with being a longer relief pitcher, maybe even a back-end guy in the bullpen. He can do more than one thing, it sounds like. So that's a plus. Bit of versatility out there in the pen. And also speaking of 343 ERA, ironically so, that is also his ERA over the course of his five-year career, all with the Dodgers so far. He's a big ground ball guy, which the Yankees seem to have a lot of ground ball guys in the bullpen, most notably the guy they expect to close games again for them this year in Clay Holmes. A lot of big sinker ball pitchers and hard sinker balls and ground ball inducing pitchers that seem to just work real well under Matt Blake, so Matt Blake get to work on this guy too. Big ground ball guy and a much-needed, again, lefty addition to the Yankees' bullpen. But the Yankees, again, yeah, they love these ground ball pitchers. They love them. (laughs) So get in that Matt Blake lab, Caleb Ferguson. You're next. So this could work out pretty nicely. Again, not flipping out about this and being happy, and I'm certainly not mad about it. Those are pretty decent numbers and a solid addition to the bullpen. Could they have done much better? Yeah, especially with Wandy Peralta. There's also a level of comfort there because he's been here and you know what to expect more so. But we'll have to wait and see. But regardless of how you feel about Ferguson himself, again, you have to admit that on paper, this was a nice move by Cashman. You got this guy, and if he ends up working out, then that makes it even better. I don't see how it could just collapse unless he gets hurt and, you know, the usual Yankee stuff. (laughs) Just tempting fate, Mike. Good job. Keep talking about how you don't expect it to fail. (laughs) My God. But I mean, judge him himself however you want, but I don't think you could deny that at least on paper, this is a nice move. You basically got him for free. For free. You used a guy that you had claimed off waivers just a week prior and a prospect that nobody probably even really knew the name of. Not an insult to Zazueta at all, but I mean, anybody really hear of him? Did a little bit of research on him. Not really much to write home about. I mean, it's whatever. It's a good move on paper. It is. I don't have a problem with this at all. Not crazy happy about it. There are better moves that could have been made probably, but I'm not mad about it. I can't be mad about a move like this. So we'll see how it goes. But speaking of the bullpen, now for some brief news around the majors, one of these things being what I had hinted at before when it comes to the Yankees and other teams' behaviors and habits when it comes to potentially trading with the Yankees when the Yankees are to check in with them on certain guys. But first off, just wanted to mention another bullpen guy off the market. Yet again, last episode we spoke, a few of them came flying off the chart when it comes to who's available, but another one came off the board on Saturday the 3rd. Phil Maton, 
finalized a deal with the Rays, and he had a 3 ERA in 68 appearances for the Astros in 2023. Not that great a pitcher, but certainly not bad either. But all you got to say is not bad, and then you see the Rays, and they'll probably pitch to an ERA probably around one and a half. Because that is just what happens with everyone who goes to that freaking team and pitches. I don't know what they got going on over there, some type of voodoo crap, but... I mean, when people tend to go to them or the Astros, they just, their careers change. So I expect an okay reliever, okay to good reliever, like Maton, to basically completely and utterly morph into an absolute stud with Tampa. (laughs) That is just the way that it goes. So, I mean, you look at Maton's numbers, I mean, he's had some bad seasons. I mean, in 2022, in 67 games, he had a 384 ERA. So just under four, not great there. 2021, he had split time with Cleveland and Houston, pitching in a total of 65 games. And with Cleveland, he had a 457 ERA, and Houston had 497. So you go in between that, probably in like the mid to high fours, not good either. 2020, make whatever you want of that. 23 outings, 457 ERA. So. And then even in 2019, this is when he was with the Padres at first. 21 games, an ERA in the sevens. 45 games in 2018 and 437 ERA. So a lot of fours, high fours, around five. So Maton has not had that great of a career at all, really. And 2023 was really the first sign of that turning around, pitching to just a three ERA, by far his best season. Especially one where he has about 70 outings. So, but listen, like I said... He's going to be in Tampa's bullpen now. So that means he's probably going to pitch to an ERA of about, I don't know. What do you think? I'll say like 185. (laughs) Uh, I'm obviously probably over-exaggerating for the effect, but it's just to prove a point that basically everybody who goes to Tampa or Houston, another team, especially in the case like Justin Verlander, whose career was just on the complete and utter downturn, as we know at the time, after Detroit. And they go to these teams and their careers get completely reinvented. So... We'll see. But Phil Maton, again, point being, another bullpen guy off the chart of availability. Now, this is what I was talking about before when it comes to other teams' trade tendencies when it comes to Yankees' involvement. Thursday the 1st, and this is a bit of a problem. Corbin Burns, another one of the names in the trade market particularly that the Yankees' fans really wanted the Yankees to at least check in with the Brewers about, and later reports suggested that they did which is going to support my point that I'm making about how teams act when the Yankees reach out for a potential trade. But a trade did go down with Corbin Burns on Thursday the 1st, February 1st, and it was not what we wanted. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying I definitely wanted Corbin Burns on the Yankees because I was saying the price would probably be exorbitant. And unfortunately, later reports would suggest that I was not completely off the mark with that. <laughs> so, this is a bit of an issue for the Yankees, but um, if I had to pick where I would have liked Corbin Burns to go, even if it wasn't the Yankees, I would like for him to, like all great players on the trade or free agent market, I would prefer that they stay out of the division. Unfortunately, with Corbin Burns, that is not what happened. Guess he was available after all, after all the silence with him and all the reports saying the Brewers were going to want to hold on to him. Well, I guess that was all crap because he was traded 
to the Baltimore Orioles, who won over 100 games in the American League East last year in 2023, as we all know, despite choking immediately in the first round of the playoffs to the Rangers. But regardless, they now get even better. Yet all of those online predictions who say the Yankees are going to bounce back and win the division in 2024, and the Orioles are going to have in the, I think it was the high 80s in wins, if I saw correctly. I took a very quick look. But team won over 100 games last year, now gets Corbin Burns, and now they're going to win in the high 80s in games when they won over 100 last year. Do you see why I have trouble having much faith in these prediction sites? (laughs) But anyway, they get even better by now acquiring Corbin freaking Burns, former Cy Young and recent Cy Young Award winner, of course, stud right-hander with Milwaukee for a bunch of years now, and he is now with the Baltimore Orioles, right towards the top of that rotation, leading the way, and here's the kicker. (laughs) The Orioles basically got him for not much. Barely major league talent, not too much experience in the majors even right now, and the slight experience they do have, nothing to write home about. It could, of course, get better going forward. I imagine that's what the Brewers are very much banking on at this point. Otherwise, I do not understand this trade in the slightest, even less so than I already do. And for that, regardless of their potentially high performances at times in the minor leagues, The Orioles, for their quote-unquote efforts, get Corbin Burns in return. And a lot of Yankee fans immediately came down very hard on the Yankees for not swooping in and potentially not even really checking in with Corbin Burns. Now, I said that, first of all, the trade was ridiculous. The second I saw it, I was beside myself. Just baffled and dumbfounded how the Brewers could make that trade. And then I said, (laughs) when I saw Yankee fans giving the Yankees a hard time, I said, I will guarantee you that what I have said about how other teams handle potential trades with the Yankees, that this proved true again. Even if it was something that you would still do when it came down to it, that's not my point. My point is, what I've said many times in the past, is that when other teams deal for someone elite like Corbin Burns, if they happen to make the steal of the century, which I feel is definitely amongst the category of what this trade was between the Orioles and the Brewers, if that's to take place with someone like the Orioles or anybody else, I guarantee you that the Yankees at least checked in at one point or another, and what was required was not nearly the same. I guarantee, and like I said, in many other past instances, this has been well documented, that the other team asked for a lot more as far as talent, whether it be prospects or major league ready players, than the other team that actually was able to secure the trade. And yet again, that happened here. Your boy was right. Because according to reports, after this was all said and done, a few days later, It was revealed that talks basically started and that the Brewers were asking at least for Spencer Jones from the Yankees. Guys, Spencer Jones is the Yankees' number one prospect right now. 
Number one. But the Orioles were able to swing this for shortstop Joey Ortiz and left-handed pitcher D.L. Hall, along with the 34th pick in the 2024 draft. Can't forget that either. Ooh. I mean, listen. Maybe it's the fact that Corbin Burns, this is his last year before free agency, so it could be a one-and-done. Who knows? Maybe that helped with how the Orioles were able to swing this, but it still does not explain the difference in what was required of Baltimore and what was required of the Yankees. Now, maybe they were in much more desperate need of shortstop and pitching talent rather than a big, tall outfielder who has unbelievable expectations in the major leagues. Either way, the fact that he's in what would be a walk year per se it was his last year of his time served before testing free agency after this year. It does not explain the difference in asking. I know that there are a lot of factors in this thing. What does the other team need? What do they want? The talent is never the same from one team to another. You don't have to explain it to me like I'm five. I get all this stuff. I get it. But still, it supports my point. You make this trade a 34th round pick for basically... Two prospects who are just getting into the major leagues. Nothing crazy to write home about. I mean, it's not that much major league experience. I know that they were ranked pretty high in Baltimore. Was their number six and seven, I believe? And I think D.L. Hall was... He just barely cracked the top 100 in Major League Baseball. And I think Joey was... I'm just trying to remind myself now. I'm looking here. Somewhere in like the mid-60s or something like that. So listen, those numbers are respectable. But like... For Corbin Burns? Like, they took a 6 and a 7 here, yet talks with the Yankees started at number 1 prospect? Again, maybe maybe the Brewers wanted these plug-and-play guys, you know, pretty good hitter, and and I don't don't know. Because Joey Ortiz is a respectable hitter. He is, like... And I think now he's he's officially in the top five on the Brewers prospect list, I believe, Joey Ortiz. So listen, I don't know. I just don't see it still. For Corbin Burns, talks start at number one prospect for the Yankees. I don't know, man. I just still think that gives credence to my claim that I've made many times that people just have different requirements for the Yankees when it comes to the trading. I don't know. It's just I could not believe when that trade was made. Completely out of the blue, people weren't even entirely sure if Corbin Burns was even available. And now they get him for a number six prospect, a number seven prospect, who were only just now getting to the majors pretty much, and a 34th pick in the draft. So, I was just pretty dumbfounded by that. And, you know, it's a problem. A, a really good team from last year, a great team, gets even better with Corbin Burns now leading the way in the rotation pretty much. It's pretty crazy. So, that is not a good guy to have in your division, man, unless he is on your team. Weird. I mean, both sides said, oh, yeah, it was a great trade. Uh, you know, really good fits for both sides. Of course they're going to say that. I mean, come on. <laughs> The Orioles just got Corbin Burns. 
Guys like that, I'm giving away in a flash too. Spencer Jones, I mean, if it's for, if it's for someone elite enough, I mean, yeah, you toss around the idea. But it's tougher than that, I think. What the Orioles gave up. I don't know. Whatever. So, the Orioles get Corbin Burns. That is a very, very big deal. <laughs> Not going to look forward to the Yankees facing him. And pretty, uh, pretty frequently, because obviously the Yankees see division rivals like all teams do pretty often. A little less so since interleague play began, but still. Not looking forward to that. So that's basically all news from the last couple of weeks, guys. Yankees end otherwise. Some guys coming off the market. Some guys still very much out there and available. Yankees haven't made some more moves. Some minor roster moves and then a nice little trade with Los Angeles to add to the bullpen a little bit more. And then a little bit of news from around the league as well. So that's the news. Basically remaining at episode 209, obviously, is the social media segment, which we will get to in just a second. It is an open-ended question for today, as it often has been. I'll bring a good old Q&A back, probably in, probably in March, because next week, in honor of games beginning, granted the fact that they're going to be exhibition games, but still, I'm going to be having next week be... The big episode that I happen to do at the very end of every offseason, just as games usually begin, I'm going to make that episode for next week. Next week is going to be my special annual predictions episode. Basically just shooting back and forth between me and all of you, what you think this season is going to look like for the Yankees, what their record's going to be, what certain aspects will turn out to be like, and any big hot takes that you have for any particular player as well. I know I've started to compile mine already. Can't wait to give those to you in two weeks. So that's going to be the next episode, episode 210 on February the 25th, the day after spring training games officially begin, at least for the Yankees. It's going to be compiling everything as far as predictions and hot takes for 2024. So stay tuned for that next week. That's going to be a lot of fun. I always love that episode every year. I can't wait to do it. But for now the social media segment, to wrap up this episode. On a scale of 1 to 10, my friends, how confident are you in the 2024 Yankees with this current roster? Now, me, I've basically echoed my thoughts on this. After acquiring Caleb Ferguson, especially I look at the Yankees' bullpen, Clay Holmes, Ian Hamilton, Jonathan Lewisica, Tommy Canely, Caleb Ferguson, Scott F. Ross returning from Tommy John surgery. That's awesome. Don't really know what to expect of him, though, because he hasn't pitched in a while. You got Victor Gonzalez, and you have Luke Weaver, who the Yankees also just recently bought back on a one-year deal, and I believe there was an option on that deal anyway. And there was also some word of late that the Yankees were also planning on using Jonathan Lewisica in a multi-inning role, which I have my concerns about. Not because I don't like Loisaga, because those of you who have been following me for a while now know that actually skill-wise and pure pitching-wise, I think Jonathan Loisaga is the most talented guy out there in the pen. I love Johnny Lowe. But because of his inability, I must admit, to stay healthy, him being asked to pitch multiple innings on many occasions just has me a little on edge <laughs> as far as his chances to stay healthy. Now, I know multi-inning guys obviously pitch less frequently than one-inning guys, so probably have some more breaks in between there, but still, I don't know. I still see it taxing his arm, even if it is in a different way, but don't feel too comfortable with that. We'll see. 
I'd rather someone like uh, Tommy Canely or Caleb Ferguson or maybe even a Victor Gonzalez, depending on what he does, I'd rather them pitch, you know, two innings plus if possible. Maybe even Luke Weaver because Luke Weaver has had some experience starting some games. So, yeah, that's that's basically how I would do it. And if you were to acquire another starter and you could put somebody in the bullpen, whether it be Nestor Cortez or Clark Schmidt, then those guys could be multi-inning guys too, guys like that. So, not really too comfortable with the Loisga news, but whatever. If that's what they choose to do, then, hey, listen, we're going to have to deal with it and hope for the best. But I do like that bullpen. I do. I said I would have liked Wandy back, and I also think Hector Neris would have been a pretty decent addition as well, for sure. But otherwise, I have a, I have a, I have no problem with that bullpen at all. So I'm excited for that. And I'm really excited for the lineup especially. I mean, are you kidding me? <laughs> the Yankee lineup is what's really to be excited about in 2024. That's where the most attention was given. That's where the most additions took place. That's where most of the depth additions took place and just really bulking up for it. It's going to be kick-ass. I mean, if I had to put the lineup together, I know they're talking about leading DJ off again, but uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. People are talking about leading Alex Verdugo off. I'd probably give that a shot. So let's say Alex Verdugo's leading off. The lineup I'd probably put together is Alex Verdugo and left. This is the one that everybody's debating over, Judge or Soto. My guy, that's what I can't, I really cannot wait to see Soto in a Yankee uniform, man. I can't wait for that. I'm going to be tweaking the hell out when that happens. Can't wait. Even if it's in a freaking spring training uniform in a couple of weekends, I just can't wait. But a lot of people are debating who to have batting second and who to have batting third between Judge and Soto. But it changes a little bit if you have Verdugo or DJ leading off. Some people even talk about having Glaber Torres leading off because he had some really good leadoff moments. I wouldn't be opposed to that either. So let's say you have DJ or Glaber leading off, both right-handed hitters. In that case, I would have Soto batting second because I want to keep that right-left, right-left, right-left balance happening in the Yankee lineup, which this year they have, they have that better down pat this year than they have in a long time, which is awesome. Juan Soto not only provides how much of a freaking stud he is and how much of a generational talent he is, but he also provides a lot of balance in the lineup by being a left-handed hitter to begin with. So, it depends on who you bat leadoff. If you want a right-hander leading off in DJ or Glaber, then I'm putting Soto second to put that lefty there and Judge third, batting righty. And either way, Judge plays center and Soto plays right for now, as has to happen based off of what the Yankees constructed with the outfield this offseason. But if Verdugo leads off, which I'll say right now, I'll just put Verdugo there for the hell of it, then I put Aaron Judge second and Soto third. Left, right, left. And in the case that Glaber's not leading off, do I put him clean up? Hmm. Yeah, For the, if I want to keep the right, left, right, left going, then I put Glaber clean up and Rizzo fifth. So I guess it would be better if I do have a righty leading off. So DJ first... Then it'd be Soto second, Judge third. And then I guess I could put Rizzo in cleanup. And then Glaber fifth. And then Stanton sixth, but then you'd have right, right. I mean, you don't have to have right, left every single slot, so it's fine. But then I guess Verdugo seventh. And then Austin Wells eighth, and I'd like Volpe ninth. 
So for the Verdugo lineup, I guess I would have Verdugo in left, Judge in center, Soto in right, then Glaber clean up at second. Then for left, right, left, right, Rizzo, fifth at first, then maybe Stanton, sixth at DH. I definitely don't want Stanton batting cleanup until he proves that he can be healthy and be effective again. I love Stanton as much as anybody. Everyone knows that. I'm a huge Stanton defender, but of late, he's got he's to prove himself again. Then I guess DJ, seventh at third base, or you could flip-flop Stanton and DJ if you're okay with Stanton being as low as seven, I suppose. Because DJ did finish 2023 off very nicely, so if you trust in that and leading nicely into 2024, then move him up to 6th. But I'll keep him at 7th for now, I guess, and then Wells and Volpe, that stays the same. Wells a catcher and Volpe at shortstop, obviously. DJ batting 1st, I guess you go DJ, Soto, Judge, everyone in the same positions as before. DJ, Soto, Judge, Rizzo, Glaber, Stanton, Verdugo, Wells, Volpe. And with Glaber leading off, yeah, that'd be a whole different story. Then Glaber, Soto, Judge, Rizzo, Stanton, then DJ Wells Volpe, I guess. Yeah, so those would be my lineups pretty much. Either way, regardless of what they choose to do, and there's probably going to be a bunch of switches because Boone loves to do his freaking load management and rotation BS. So either way, there's going to be a lot of switching around, a lot of late-game substitutions, Trent Grisham coming in and all the awesome depth the Yankees acquired in the offseason as well. So point is, I'm confident in the lineup, very confident. So bullpen and lineup, I'm, I'm mostly fine with. Totally cool. Unless it all, of course, comes crashing down with injuries again, as has had the habit of doing. So, which, unfortunately, uh, knock on wood, I guess, but it's very likely, unfortunately. The main concern that I still have, and it is a big one, is the rotation. Because we are now February 11th, with pitchers and catchers about to report, with no further starting rotation moves being made. It is safe to assume that at this point, and again, I could be wrong, more moves could be made. Blake Snell still out there, Jordan Montgomery still out there. Yankees still, I believe, reportedly the only team to have made Blake Snell an offer, let alone one that high, even though he declined it for something far more ridiculous. But regardless... Right now, it's starting to feel like this could be the final product for the rotation. And one thing I did say a couple of weeks ago, that if it is the final product for the rotation, one thing I said was that if this is, then the Yankees are relying on a lot of huge question marks. Garrett Cole is the closest thing to a guarantee you have, obviously. Nothing in this world is a guarantee. Anybody could get hurt. Anybody could have a down year. Anything could happen. Not even near a guarantee that a Cy Young season could be uh, repeated. You you never know. But Cole's the closest thing you have to a sure thing, obviously. Nobody's debating that. Nobody's got a problem with Garrett Cole. The problem comes with literally every single person after him. (laughs) As we've spoken about ad nauseum. The man after him, the man they signed last offseason to be a definitive and effective, efficient, and highly skilled number two, dominating number two behind Garrett Cole in Carlos Rodon. With this current starting rotation as currently constructed, the Yankees are now relying on this man to be the pitcher that they paid last year beyond recognition. And that makes me scared. Now, my prediction, one of the hot takes I'll have next week might run counter to that in your opinion, but that does not mean that I am not on edge about it. (laughs) Don't misunderstand me. 
What has happened with Carlos Rodon makes me very nervous. Very, very nervous. I hated what I saw in 2023. Hated it. So, he has me very, very nervous. Injured most of the year, and when he came back, he was ass. So, I have no idea what to expect in 2024 from him. I don't think anybody knows what to expect. We could have our predictions and our hope and aspirations, but nobody knows what to expect definitively. No one. Complete wild card. This is a guy who will have a season like last, one of the worst seasons we can possibly see, especially being the first year of a new contract. A big one at that. Or he could be the guy we saw with the Giants striking out like 300 people and pitching to an ERA in the mid to high twos, maybe even very low threes at the most. You don't know what you're going to get at this point with Carlos Rodon at this point of his career. What I have heard is that he is reported early to work really hard and get ready for the new season, says that unlike last time, he now feels fully healthy, all positive. That doesn't mean it can't come crashing down, though. But I do like what I hear so far. We could get either the Giants' Carlos Rodon, or so far, unfortunately, to regard him in this light, the Yankees' Carlos Rodon, which is the worst version of impossible. (laughs) Hate to say it. If you get the worst version, this rotation is doomed. If you get the best version, this rotation is so much better off. So much of it, currently constructed, hinges on what Carlos Rodon does in 2024. Makes me very uneasy, and that's where a lot of my concern comes from and originates, stems from. But, they are majorly relying on this man to be the pitcher they paid for last offseason. And you can't blame the... I mean, yeah, you can blame them for putting so much stock onto someone with this much of a question mark around them. But, I mean, you got to blame the player at least a little bit too here. The Yankees are paying him to perform at a certain level. And he has come nowhere near that level so far. It's his job to ensure that he can perform to that level again. And contribute significantly to a Yankees title run. That's why the Yankees got him. So Garrett Cole will have backup. There was no backup last year. There needs to be this year. And almost all of it, quite frankly, is depending on Carlos Rodon. Has me scared as hell, but it's the truth. Then you have Marcus Stroman. Marcus had an amazing first half of 2023. Hell, it got him an all-star nod. Deservedly so. But he has his injury troubles here and there. He finished off the second half of 2023 very badly. And of course comes the off the field drama as well, which you hope there is as little of as possible for the sake of how he performs with the Yankees and how it could affect that. So there's some question marks there too, but he's probably the biggest short thing in this rotation, honestly, aside from Garrett Cole. And that's where a lot of the concern comes from too. But I'll give this guy this. I mean, more and more seems to come out about this week by week, but he seems hella excited to be here. And it's becoming more and more apparent to me about why he acted the way he did towards the Yankees and even their fans. 
for a while because when Cashman basically publicly said that he did not want Strowman years back, that obviously hurt Strowman's feelings because we have now seen even more so than in the past, more than ever, how much of a Yankee fan this kid was when he was growing up. Now, I knew that he was from New York, but I did not know that he was a fellow Long Islander. I will say that right now. I just recently discovered this. Did not know he's a fellow Long Islander. Had no idea. Makes me like him a little bit more, maybe, but... I mean, listen, I've explained my view on Strowman already. You want it again, just go listen to the last episode or two. Not repeating myself, but... I mean, that's... He is probably the next most sure thing in this rotation. Currently, aside from Garrett Cole. That's a scary thought, because he does have his negatives and question marks about him, too. But it could work out... In, in, in my opinion, with Strowman, it's either going to work out really well, or it's going to work out really badly. <laughs> I don't see much middle ground happening, if I'm being honest. But the guy seems extremely excited to be here, and that does get me excited to a certain degree. Definitely does. I love the enthusiasm. Then you have Nestor Cortez, who, of course, is... Unfortunately, the second biggest question mark behind Carlos Rodon and is also a major part of this rotation that is being heavily relied on, like Carlos Rodon, because of his success in the past and how much they relied on Nestor at times, despite the fact that he was basically a freak talent that came out of nowhere and had some really iconic pitching moments and seasons. So, you're relying on him... With that context, along with the fact that he spent most of last year hurt as well, and when he was pitching, he majorly regressed. You're relying on him to have a bounce back as well. And you're also relying on Clark Schmidt at the end of the rotation, who could definitely very well be a respectable number five. But he is still learning his way along being a major league starter. He was still making inroads and developing in the major leagues last year. You saw it. He started out terrible, and he continued to make inroads as the season went along, all the way up until the end. And definitely you saw some improvements in him as time went along. I was surely very hard on him. I will not hide that. There were plenty of times where I came onto this very podcast and said many times that he should just completely abandon the cutter already. It was getting killed by every hitter under the sun. And just, I was really hard on the kid. But I also gave him a lot of credit when a lot of the improvements he made were seen through throughout the season. But you're relying on him to also be very effective when he's still just learning what it takes to be a major league starter. So, going through this rotation as we have many times... There are so many factors here that have me uncomfortable because of how important a starting rotation is and how uneasy I am with this particular rotation as currently is. It brings my confidence level down quite a bit, unfortunately. If the Yankees got, let's say they got Shane Bieber like I'd wanted. Yes, the argument would be, yeah, Mike, he's had some injury troubles too, but it's Shane Bieber at the age he is with the upside potential that he has and with how he has pitched throughout his career majorly, for the vast majority of it, the kid is really good. (laughs) It's just no other way to put it. It would certainly have me at much more peace of mind than this current rotation does. No doubt about it. And my rating would go up significantly. It would probably be about a 9 or a 9.5. That high up. I'd be ready to go. Even if they brought Monty back, I mean, that'll bump it up a bit. I don't think he's a number 2. 
despite how well he's done since leaving the Yankees, unfortunately. But, I mean, not for him personally. I wish him the best. But just for the sake of, you know, being away from the Yankees. But it would boost it a bit. It would. But with the rotation as currently constructed, and with concern that if the rotation does fall apart or doesn't perform up to par like the Yankees are heavily hoping for and relying on, then that harms the bullpen too. Because the bullpen will have to compensate for that, and they're going to get burned the hell out. Fortunately, the Yankees have their good backups, like they have Warren there, they have Luis Heal finally returning. I mean, he's a bit of a question mark too, coming back from Tommy John surgery, and he hasn't pitched in a long time. But I always loved how electric his stuff was, so hopefully post-Tommy John he could show a lot. The Yankees always talk about Chase Hampton, they talk about Clayton Beater. So, they had their backup options down in the minors that they could use, but they'll get burnt out too if things get bad enough with the pitching. And that will also inevitably put a lot of mental pressure and physical pressure on the offense because they'll feel the need to score enough runs because no runs are ever enough because the pitching will just keep on giving them up. So that hasn't that has an effect on the entire team is what I'm saying, potentially. And that has me nervous when you get into all that and you start to let your mind wander all down all those dark roads. So because of all this factored in, despite my confidence in many other aspects of the team, my overall rating, when mixed all together, is probably hovering between a 7 and a 7.5. So I know a lot of people have it much worse than that. I know a lot of people have it much better than that because they have that much faith that the rotation will work out. They have faith that Carlos Rodon and Nestor Cortez can bounce back and therefore everything else will support itself. The lineup is much better factually on paper and injuries will keep themselves under control. And that's another aspect, injuries. That could even bring me down to a 6.5 if they're bad enough, and I let that get to my head enough. (laughs) So, but that's where my rating lies. I'd say most safely around a 7. And the rotation being the way it is, it really does bring it down that much. I really mean it. If the rotation felt more secure, my rating would be like around a 9, or even 9.5. I'd be ready to ride. So honestly, guys, those those are my thoughts on it. I know it might be a little lower than some we're probably hoping for. And I know some people probably have ratings even lower because I know how some of the pessimism is here in this fan base. And I do hear a lot of those concerns that a lot of the pessimists shoot out there. And I agree with a good amount of them. But on paper, there's one thing you cannot argue is that on paper, even if this doesn't apply for the starting rotation, but everywhere else, especially the lineup, especially the lineup, This team on paper is factually and objectively better than the 2023 Yankees. You cannot argue otherwise. Juan Soto's addition alone, aside from Verdugo and all the other good depth pieces they picked up, makes it better. So, that's my honest opinion. Along with all the other people they were able to get off of the team to start this year that were still on the team last year. Addition by subtraction, as they say. Guys like Donaldson, Hicks, many other pieces of dead weight throughout the years that are no longer around to start 2024. That is also a big plus. You can't forget about that. I know a lot of people mention that as well, and it is true. We'll just have to see if any other moves are made within the next week, maybe even before pitchers and catchers in the next just couple or a few days or at some point throughout spring training that could possibly boost my rating prior to the start of the season. Another one that a lot of people are talking about is Gio Rochelle. I know I've mentioned that 
on social media, and I, I think I mentioned it last episode. I think. But if not, then I'm mentioning it now. But I would certainly love a Geo reunion. I would not have an issue with that. I just don't know where they'd put him as of right now. But how much the Yankees freaking shift crap around, I would not put it past them to find a way. Either way, that's my rating. Let's hear your thoughts. Let us go here. First up, let's start with my favorite handle, at CashmanSucksNYY, saying Soto and Verdugo makes the Yankees offense much better than last year, which makes me confident. Yankees do need another rotation arm, maybe Snell, because the Yankees are banking on bounce backs from Carlos Rodon and Cortez. Yeah, that's what I said. The rotation's really hinging on those things, so I totally agree. Agree with the lineup being much better on paper, and uh, the starting rotation assessments too, my man. I agree. Let's see. Up next, we have got at JaviN114 says a 7. That's not bad. It's basically mine, more or less. Seven, seven and a half at the most. I just realized that first comment did not give a number rating. What's your number, first guy? Next, we have got at RMNY1976 saying, Six, they're still relying too much on the same three to five guys who have injury histories to both be healthy and productive. Rodon, DJ, Rizzo, Stanton, and Nestor. Rodon must have a good season or the rotation is screwed. They can probably get by if Stanton sucks, but the other three need to be contributing as well. Yeah, like I've said, a lot of you guys seem to be echoing the same thoughts, and you would be correct. Rodon is being relied on probably bigger than anybody on this team, to be honest, when it comes to being compared to how awful he was last year and how much the Yankees are relying on him to be the number two to Garrett Cole that they paid for. I mean, yeah, of course, the Yankees rely on guys like Judge, and now they're going to be relying on Soto and Rizzo and Stanton and all those guys. Of course, Glaber. Of course, they rely on all these guys. Those are like the big five in the lineup, if I had to say. But, and, and you know, it's basically DJ, Soto, Judge, Glaber, Stanton, Rizzo. They're going to be banking on big seasons from these guys. Also, Austin Wells taking his next steps in his development. Same thing for Volpe taking another step forward this season in his sophomore year, pretty much, as they say. Lots being relied on, but none more than the one aspect of the team that has the biggest question marks surrounding it in Carlos Rodon. That's my opinion. I think he's being relied on just about as much as the biggest guys in this entire team. So I definitely agree with that assessment, and that does bring it down a good amount. Just a little bit lower than me in your case, I guess. At Yankee Ken says 7. I'm usually the most optimistic when it's almost time for spring training, and nobody has gotten hurt yet. Yeah, yet is the operative word. (laughs) It really does majorly hinge on the injuries, too. And we all know the Yankees don't really have any luck in that arena at all. (laughs) So that's great. At Laura underscore Icemont says, Eight, the acquisitions from this offseason already help the team. As long as the players we want to bounce back this season do, Rodon, Rizzo, Stanton, etc., it'll make my confidence rise. Yeah, I mean, if Rodon is good and Nestor's good, like I said, then that automatically puts the rating way up, even without any further additions to the rotation. But these are uh, these are a lot of question marks. And yeah, good on everybody for re- for mentioning Rizzo. I mean, Stanton's a given. But Rizzo, too, coming off of the collision with Fernando Tatis Jr. that ended up being a lot bigger than any Yankee doctor was able to originally identify. And 
ended up with Rizzo putting up the worst numbers in his entire career over a few months' time span and then having to miss the end of the season because they finally discovered, hey, I think his issues and his head problems are linked to the collision. Who would have known? But he's coming off of missing all that time, and and we all know that concussion injuries are always up in the air. There's never a definitive timeline or anything you could predict with those sort of things. Anything having to do with the head is extra delicate and sensitive, and anything could come to pass with that. It's very scary. So, yeah, Rizzo's definitely a huge X factor, too, and a huge uh, huge wild card. If he is back to his old self, because we got to remember, I keep on bringing it up because it's true. But before that collision in 2023, in the first month and a half or two, Rizzo was on his way in his early 30s, supposed to be on the wrong side of 30, I mean, like, he was on his way to having a career year, <laughs> numbers-wise. And that collision just destroyed all of it. A lot of things happened in 2023 to just completely derail everything, no doubt. But Rizzo's definitely a big name to mention, too, no doubt. At B. Welch1943 says, Yankees need one more impact bat and a real closer. See, those are two arenas where I think the Yankees are much safer in than the starting rotation. You don't think they need to do any more work with the starting rotation? You're more comfortable with the starting rotation than the lineup, especially, or even the bullpen? Like, the bullpen has its questions. Yeah, I know a lot of people, despite the fact that he objectively bounced back and put up overall pretty solid numbers again, which I don't know why some people are refusing to acknowledge, but, I mean, there are worse closers out there than Clay Holmes. Much worse. I mean, when Clay is off, he is off. I am well aware his stuff gets way wild. But, I mean, the vast majority of the time in 23, he he showed the old promise again. A lot of encouraging stuff, and the Yankees have a lot of other solid arms out there. Basically, it hinges on health, like everything does with the Yankees. But, I mean, you're you're still more concerned about the bullpen than the starting rotation. I know the two are linked in the sense that if the starting rotation fails and the bullpen's going to pay big time like any bullpen does with a failing rotation. But I don't know. I just don't get how people are more worried about those two other aspects than the starting rotation. That I don't get. At RJB5150 says, 11 underrated changes to the offense. Just losing Donaldson and Hicks was huge. Returning rotation help... To health will be huge. Uh, That last sentence confused me. Sorry, man. Um, But, yeah, like I said before, Donaldson and Hicks, you happen to mention it too. Addition by subtraction, absolutely. The changes to the offense vastly improved it, absolutely. But, yeah, that's, that's where it lies, the rotation. And it has me feeling so unsure that it did move my grade down that much, but... I agree. I I don't know how it could be at 11, though. That's, that's crazy. (laughs) The rotation, yeah, it could be really good, but... I mean, right now, before things get underway, the unsureness should definitely take your rating down a bit. 11 is very optimistic. I don't fault you for that. You're optimistic. Hey, more power to you. I hope it works out the way you want it to. God knows, I hope. But beforehand, yeah, it's definitely a lot of optimism there. At J underscore Torres Messias E says, between 7.5 and and 8, I think there's a huge upgrade on the offense. We'll have a better, more balanced lineup. Our bullpen is also very strong, even with Wandy gone. It would be great to add a legit number two in the rotation, but we could do that by the trade deadline. Yeah, like I said, it could happen even throughout spring training. A lot of big names still out there even as of now, or anytime just before the regular season, or yeah, the next time most opportunely would probably be at the trade deadline. That's when a lot of things happen, obviously. 
But 7.5-8, I guess, is fair. My unsuredness in the rotation takes my rating a little lower than that, obviously. But um, I agree on the lineup. I agree on the bullpen. I would call the bullpen pretty strong. I wouldn't call it very strong. But uh, it'll probably still be fine. I mean, the Yankees with their bullpen have been just fine the last few years now. Amongst the top in the game, if not at the top, as was last year and, and in years recent past, too. But um, the bullpen's not one of the things I'm most worried about. It's the rotation. So I agree. Legit number two would have my rating way higher. At Traffic VTL says five. Hmm. Okay. I wonder what's driving it down that low. Rotation alone or you have other concerns? Interesting. At Don Bon Y says, this rotation is a seven and a half as is. Cole, Rodon, Stroman, Nestor, Schmidt, Weaver, Beater. We hope Rodon can bounce back. We hope Nestor's ready. We hope Stroman can hold on. We need a starting pitcher. Yeah. I mean, that's... The rotation's really the main thing worth mentioning at this point as far as improvements, in my opinion. You know that. Yeah, if you want to add on a six or seven, I guess Luke Weaver and, and Clayton are the most immediate. Probably have to be a little bit more careful with Someone like Luis Heal, since he's returning from Tommy John. Chase Hampton's still down a bit low in the minors, even though he's towards the top in prospects overall with all Yankees pitching prospects. Um, and Will Warren as well. But yeah, those are probably the most immediate behind Schmidt as of now. That's that's also why, I don't know, I, just, I would just feel better with another guy in there. I really would. But you said in your reply too, man, Rodon and Nestor majorly relied on. That's, that's it. At Scott... JS says three. Wow, that's that's pretty low. <laughs> I mean, listen, if injuries happen, which there's no way of telling that right now because it hasn't started yet, but especially if you're just expecting injuries to just take out the whole team, then yeah, I guess so. But as of right now, that's that's pretty low, man. At Musician DMD says, I'm very confident in this team. I fully believe had Judge not gotten injured last year, the Yankees would have made the playoffs. One player can make a difference. Soto's addition to the lineup completely changes the complexion of it, and Verdugo will bring us more than we expected. I have no doubt that Giancarlo will rebound and reassert himself as the most dangerous hitter in the game. Wow. I also think Rodon will bounce back, and he, Cole, and Stroman will pitch like a three-headed monster in the rotation. It's not blind faith, Mike. I truly believe in this team. Ten. Wow. All right, Spence. Good friend Spencer on Twitter. Shout out to you, my man. That's a lot of optimism. <laughs> yeah, I um, a lot of that hinges on Rodon. And yeah, again, like I said, next week is the predictions episode. And when I give my prediction for, for Rodon, a lot of people are like, wow, you don't sound nervous about him at all. Well, that's just my prediction and being optimistic. But I still have my worries about him. Please do not get me wrong. Very much so. But yeah, I mean, if he's great, then that one, two, three, because I believe in Stroh a decent amount. So... That will uh, that could turn out to be pretty well, and if that one two three works out that well, then um, then as I said, my rating definitely changes. I don't know about a ten, but it definitely changes. No doubt about Giancarlo. Listen, I believe in my boy. I do. I'm a Giancarlo Stanton guy myself. Have been for years. But that is very optimistic. <laughs> Even I must admit. And uh, Soto and Judge, yeah, obviously Judge is in there and. Soto's there making all the difference that he makes. Yeah, of course. Can't disagree with that. I'm very interested to see what Verdugo brings. Very interested. Alone, before they added Soto, I was not a fan of the move, but obviously since they made a lot more outfield moves, especially depth-wise, 
Very curious now. Much more lenient on it, but... Alright, listen, if you believe that much, and you believe that much, what can I say, Spence? I'm not gonna crap on you for being optimistic. Just, uh, a few things in there that I am not as confident about quite as much as you, but... Hey, listen, we all hope it works out for the best at the end of the day. At Wally Trashy NYY says five. Hmm. And I went on to ask, because just this one comment I happened to want to see where your thoughts were uh, originating from, like anywhere you'd like to see improvements, and they said front office. Yeah, I, I know so many people hate the front office. Not a big fan of them myself, as many of you know, so I can't really fault for that. But interesting. I wonder if that's the reason of some of the others who had ratings around there. At Kevin underscore Goodman 24 says, Very confident the Yankees have a great year. So I guess at least an 8 or above then if you were to give a rating. Hmm. At CC3085, oh, you got me missing CC Sabathia now, <laughs> says, 7, the offense is much improved, but the pitching depth concerns me. That's where a lot of it lies. At Omori underscore Daydream says, I'm trying to be optimistic, so a 6 to 7 sounds good. Yeah, it's like mid, sort of. A little bit above mid, I guess. At Angry Reasons 23 says, Scale of 1 to 10, I'm at a 4.5. The idea of Soto and Judge wrecking the American League is exciting. And for some reason, I believe Rodon is actually going to pitch well in 2024. But just like the last few years, the season rides on a roster filled with cross fingers and hope, guys. I mean, that's much less so that way this year than in in past years. But yeah, you do have your guys. If Rodon pitches well, then that's definitely, that's probably the cross fingers and hopes, the king of that, <laughs> based off of his first year at the Yankees. But if that works out, that's a big one off the board, man. Because, I mean, it's mainly cross fingers and hope when it comes to injuries, and those are completely unpredictable. Predictable that they'll happen, but not predictable as to who they'll happen to and how severe. <laughs> but, yeah, 4.5. It sounds like you're actually a little optimistic, so I would expect it to be higher than that. Hmm. At Critch Sports says they don't have any starting pitching and are a mess defensively. The bullpen will be burned out and on the IL by May 1st or so, looking at 83, maybe 84 wins at best if everything goes right. Well, no, if everything goes right, they're going to be a 90-win team easily because this roster on paper, except for the starting rotation can definitely ensure at least 90 wins, dude. So I don't agree with that last part. At worst, if injuries start to happen and guys like Rodon and Nestor don't perform up to par if they get hurt again and if the bullpen gets taxed and the rotation, uh, the lineup rather, starts to get some pressure on it as a result of everything and everything just starts to come crashing down, then I see that win total taking form again. And I hope I never have to experience that again like in 2023 because that sucked. But yeah, if everything goes right, they're not going to only have 84 wins. Come on. I don't think that's fair. If everything goes right, then this is a solid team. <laughs> it just mainly hinges on what happens with the starting rotation. That's really what it hinges on. Everything else, if everything works out right and injuries are kept to a minimum or not at all, this is a solid team on paper, dude. At our Jess up 44 or Jessup, sorry if I mispronounced that, Says, seven, I'm afraid Stanton is washed, but will play every day. He's healthy, and that'll drag us down. Not as worried about the pitching as some are. Seven means around 88 wins, which is good for most teams, but below what Yankees could be. Well, yeah, 88 wins would really not, that would not be great. 
not for the Yankees' standards and their payroll and what's expected this year. That would not be that great. It'd probably get them a playoff spot in one of the wild cards, maybe. But, yeah, it could definitely be a lot better. If things work out to what they hope, it could definitely be a lot better than that. At Dell Space Franco says, four more questions than a round of Jeopardy with this squad. Rotation and bullpen. <laughs> The bullpen a little less, so I, I don't I don't agree with the bullpen is in as much danger as the rotation, not nearly. But I just don't think the rotation has quite the depth you'd like. And if if one or two of the major guys they're hinging on don't work out, it's gonna get ugly. Gonna get ugly. At Hot Stove NYY twenty twenty one says seven. All right, it's about where I'm lying. At WIR fifty five says six. Okay. And at H Golden twelve eleven says, I will go with a six. Same story every year. Build us up, then smack us across the face. Well, you hope for different, man. That's, that's all you can really say. But I do think on paper there are improvements to be excited about here. I do. Crucify me. Just a matter of how they pan out. <laughs> it's really what it comes down to. All right, last two as per usual. As we eclipse the hour and a half time. First up, as always, is my girlfriend at Vic Salimo saying seven. We still need improvement with our starting rotation. And the outcome of this season is contingent upon some of our best players who are known for getting injured and staying healthy. And the others backing them up. I'm not going to get excited about anything until I see enough of good playing for the season. I mean, fair enough, I'm lying around the same number. But yeah, it definitely hinges around the starting rotation for me majorly. So I cannot argue with that. And if they get screwed up, then a lot of aspects of the rest of the team could get screwed up too. So much of it hinges on the starting rotation. That's why I'm pretty uneasy. And it brings down my mark from what it could have been that much. As many as like two or three full points from 10. I mean, it's a lot. So, all right. Last but certainly not least is my mom, Julia Gina Scudero. She says, hi, Mike. Hey, mom. Hoping that the new computer does right by you so you can keep bringing us our favorite Yankees podcast with more ease. Hell yeah. And it definitely is. <laughs> and the response for your social media question, I'd have to say that I'm about a six or a seven because I truly don't believe we have enough in our pitching rotation, the starting rotation, to pull off number 28, let alone getting to the playoffs. We need at least another starting pitcher. I hope they don't think that they're quite ready to go, but we shall see. Let's hope to hear some positive news on that soon. Let's go, Yankees. Yeah, starting rotation, starting rotation, starting rotation. That's uh, that's what it's about. <laughs> Saying it ad nauseum here for weeks and much more so here today. It's got to be that. If that holds up, if Rodon and Nestor mainly, two big guys they're mostly relying on, hold up. That will make all the difference in the world, my friends. It'll help benefit the bullpen to not be burned out. It'll help the lineup to not feel as much pressure on them. And of course, it'll keep runs overall to a minimum and hopefully lead to a lot of W's. That's the name of the game, isn't it? After all. So that's my take. Those are your takes. I read as many as possible. If I did not get to you, as always, I am very sorry. Just keep on replying every week. I will get to you eventually. I do my damnedest every week, my friends. You know that. I read a lot of replies each week on this show, as many as I can. Just keep on doing it. Keep on showing your love and support, and you know that I'm appreciative of it to the ends of the earth and beyond. 
you know that, guys. I love you all so much, and I love you even more for making it through yet another episode, episode 209 today, because that is all for it, guys. But remember, follow me on all social medias if you do not already. Facebook fan page, Mike Scudero NY. My Twitter or X is at Mike Scudero. And my Instagram is Mike Scuds97. Also, be sure to subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four of the platforms. It is available on if you have not already. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Leave a like or show your love any way that you can. Comment anything, subscription, whatever, across all four of them like you all always do such a great job at doing, my friends. Keep on subscribing to YouTube as well, especially we're past 400 again. Like I said at the start of the show, cannot be more appreciative of that, my friends. And if you have the time, listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you might have missed. They're pretty long, but especially in this bi-weekly format, you have plenty of time to catch up. Episodes 34 up to episode 209 today are available on YouTube. And every single Yapping Yankees episode that ever was, going all the way back to episode 1, almost five years ago. Yikes. All the way up to episode 209 today. Those are all available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. But once again, I thank you 3,000 for listening to me yap today. As always, my friends, I have been your host, Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you in two Sundays. Again, unless something big happens in this coming week, then I'll be back at you next Sunday, the 18th. But otherwise, I will talk to you again in two Sundays on February the 25th, and we return to weekly format as I come to you with episode 210 of Yapping Yankees. But until then, guys, yeah, you like that? I got to get my bass on. That's the radio voice. Got to get some nice bass and nice little vocal fry in there. But anyway, I'm going to stop being weird now and tell you guys that until then, hang in there. Be patient. Please stay safe. Look out for your loved ones as always. Go ahead and kick life's ass this week. And let us anticipate all the fun that is to come in the next couple of weeks, guys. Because the next time we talk, it's hard to believe how quick the offseason goes, how fast time always goes in general. But the next time we talk, we are going to be talking about, might be exhibition baseball, but we are going to be talking about baseball being back on our televisions once again, for the first time in months, as we get ready for yet another season of coverage here on Yapping Yankees. We covered Yapping Yankees since May or June of 2019, so the vast majority of 2019, 2020, through all the crap with that, all the way through to 2021, 2022, last season, and now we are covering the 2024 season on the shows. We are well into the 200s and episodes now as Yapping Yankees pushes ever forward with no, and I mean it, at least as of now, no end in sight. So let's keep on forging ahead, guys, into another season of fun, entertaining, informative, and interactive Yankees coverage. I can't wait. I hope you can't wait. This is going to be a blast. It's right there, guys. Pitchers and catchers this week, and then before we know it, we'll have baseball back on our televisions, fanboying about it all together, or fangirling if you're a girl out there. Right here, just me and you on Yapping Yankees. Gonna have a lot of yapping and a lot of fun to go through when we talk again in two weeks, my friends. So prepare yourselves and get hype, because in two weeks, (laughs) it is going down. 
But until then, my friends, take care, and as always, let's go Yanks. Yanks.